From the makers of the Beyond series, introducing The Chelsea and Eric Show, bringing you more extraordinary stories from the world of triathlon. I'm Chelsea Sodaro, and you know, I still see myself as pretty new to the sport. I'm super curious, and I want to learn from the best. And I am Eric Gilsonen. You know, everyone is a triathlete, they just don't know it yet. Who is your hero in the sport of triathlon? The finish line, whether you're the first finisher or the final finisher, is where all people come together. We're all out there together. That's what I live for. This, this is the Chelsea, is the and, Chelsea Eric and Eric Show. My name is Chelsea Sodaro, and I'm pretty new to the sport of triathlon. So I had this idea about creating a podcast that allowed me to talk to the best triathletes in the world and see what I could learn from them and find out what makes them tick. And as I'm new, I've enlisted the help of someone who has been involved in the sport for most of his life. Someone who competes, scouts, and announces races, but most of all, simply loves triathlon. Eric, it is so good to be here with you. This has been in the works for a while, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to talk with you and to collaborate. I'm excited as well, and uh, I do believe we'll be able to inspire, tell stories that'll help people understand the sport, and uh, so they too can be involved and come across that finish line that brings us all together. A hundred percent. Love it, Eric. I am definitely newer to the sport and you've been around for a while. I think you've probably competed in like a hundred or 200 races. You've announced just as many. So I think our dynamic of the newcomer and the boomer will be a fun one for people to tag along to. A boomer I am apparently from what I've been told. And yes, uh, you know, anything I can do to help, uh, that's my job. Swim, bike, run, have fun, help others get across the finish line as well. And yeah, I've been racing a long time and I want to see everybody race. So it'll be fun. You and me both. Should we talk a little about the first time that we met? I think it was in Santa Rosa last year of 2019. Correct. Yes. Quite an impression. That was uh, <laughs> Ironman 70.3 Santa Rosa. In uh, what, late July? That sounds about right. Definitely in the middle of the summer. It was a fun day. Yep. Beautiful. And so you had a great day. You exited beautiful Lake Sonoma with the lead pack out of T1, hung out with the main girls. Talk about the bike and being able to ride with uh, Paula Findlay, Marinda Carfrey, other top... uh, pros representing and then what happened after t2 sure well i had been pretty nervous about the race because i picked up this knee injury back in december of the previous year and it ended up being a way bigger deal than i thought that it would be and so i really hadn't been running until four or five weeks before santa rosa and even for like many months i was in a lot of pain on the bike and so i didn't really have any expectations for Santa Rosa. I thought that I was fit and I hoped that I would have a good day there, but I really just was looking to see where I was at. And I was pretty stoked to get out of the water with swimmers like Paula and Meredith Kessler. And 
I rode with Paula for most of the bike. We took off off the front pretty soon into the race and she's a very strong cyclist. And so I was excited to be in that position. And I think I fell off her pace maybe two thirds, three quarters of the way into the bike and ended up coming into T2 around a minute behind her, I think. But I felt pretty good and took the lead within 5K of the of the run. Awesome. For the win. And what did Marinda Carfrey say to you after the race? I think she pulled you aside and gave you a little uh, wisdom. Talk about that. Yeah. So Rennie has been an idol of mine. I She's such a great champion and I so admire the way she carries herself. She's a super classy, humble athlete. And the first thing she said to me when she crossed the finish line was, I don't even know who you are. And then when we went to the award ceremony, she made a point of pulling me aside and said, hey, you should be going for the podium at Worlds. And Chelsea, if this is something you want, you can take this all the way. And for wow. someone, at the, right, for someone at that level with her accomplishments to take the time to say that to a competitor and kind of a younger up and comer in a sport, I think speaks a lot to her character. Oh, it's all about character. That's exactly the word I was just about to pull out and for Marinda to pull you aside like that. I know her and she does not do that to every newcomer. That's for darn sure. So big props uh, to you for her saying that. Talk about, you know, what it's been like that to race in Nice at the World Championship in your early triathlon career. It's just the top of the world there. Racing in Nice was such a great opportunity for me and I'm I'm really proud of how I performed there. I am not happy with my execution with every part of the race, but I am proud of my persistence and how I really committed to staying focused to the whole race, even when parts of the event weren't going that well for me. But Nice is such an incredible stage. There's, like you said, a super rich triathlon history there. And I think the whole city kind of got behind that and there were so many athletes and fans lining the course and I I definitely see myself as an athlete that thrives on the big stages I'm motivated by the pinnacle races and I love the performance aspect of the sport and so I think that really like fed me throughout the race having the opportunity to run my way into fourth place on the streets of Nice, on the promenade there with all of those crowds was was really fun. And I think that it has kind of given me a bit more of a platform for the future, my future. And I think was an indicator of my potential, but definitely not, it, it was a starting point to me. It wasn't, you know, the end all be all and I, and I, really can't wait until we can get back to those stages again because that's what I live for. Everything good beforehand on that? No hiccups? Everything good? I was a little bit overwhelmed by the moment, to be honest with you. It was my first, it was my first actually real year in Ironman and my first world championships. And I have a good idea of my potential. And especially after Santa Rosa, I went to Nice to get on the podium. <laughs> And to contend for the win. 
And I think that that pressure was a little bit unnecessary. And I wish in retrospect that I had embraced the underdog mentality a little bit more because that would have been fine. No one was really expecting anything of me. Maybe you were expecting something, Eric, but I think you were one of the few. I got and a crystal so, ball. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I think I was a little bit overwhelmed by the moment and kind of the logistics. You know, that's interesting week. because you have raced at the highest level in track in the Diamond League. Before that, the collegiate circuit, Cal Berkeley, well known for their track stars. So, you know, really talk about that, you know, uh, just a little bit more from the neck up. It was quite a sure. undertaking. I have raced at a very high level in track and field. I raced on the Diamond League circuit. And I've raced at the Olympic trials and some really high level meets. I've also been running for my whole life. I have been running competitively since I was 14 or 15 years old. And so I, I know what it means or looks like to show up at a high level track meet. I know the things that you have to go through with the warm ups and the call rooms. And I know how I like my spikes and all of these little things that go into making a performance come together. I'm still new to triathlon though. I really see myself as a developmental athlete. And I think that ironically gives me an advantage because I have this beginner growth mindset, which I'm aiming to hold on to for as long as I can. But that also comes with can come with a little bit of stress and some added nerves because I'm new to all of the equipment. There are so many little details that go into making sure everything goes right with the bike and even the swim. And there are all these tactics and logistics and nutrition. And so I, I still do feel like I'm trying to dial in those things. And on race week, that can feel still a little bit stressful for me because it's not routine yet. I have only done, I think I've only done seven 70.3s, six or seven 70.3s at this point. And so I don't have, you know, years of experience behind me. I, I'm a, I think I'm a smart athlete, have like a pretty good athletic I, IQ, so to speak, but experience matters in this sport. And that's something I'm still trying to accumulate. Awesome. Well said. Yeah, those little things <laughs> Thanks, make a Eric. difference and you're going to definitely thrive in the future because of the details that it takes to be the track star you were in the Diamond League. 100%. I didn't know that you're from Boston. My dad, you know, my dad is from Boston. I saw and the Red Sox maybe, hat on his... Maybe that's uh, why we get along so well. No, maybe. Yeah. The discipline. Yeah, sure. The Bostonians definitely have a special attitude i think like super hard-working people yeah it's a lot of it has to in sport is yeah riding my bike with him when he was training for the boston marathon wow your dad yeah my dad wow. yeah he was always training for the he was a pretty competitive uh recreational runner yeah. and i you know i grew up in davis but he was he ran the boston marathon several times and was always training for it wow and i when i was about five I'm sure as soon as I learned how to ride a bike without training wheels, he would take me along 
on his runs and I would keep him company on my bike and it was really our special time together and he he was my you know idol growing up as a kid what years were those um mid 90s wow your dad and I ran the same years that's so cool that's awesome didn't even know each other wow yeah we got the same medal yeah I'm sure I'm sure it's somewhere in our garage or something but um I am curious what your favorite part of your job is you have your hands in so many different things and I would like to know what really like gets you out of bed in the morning. Newcomers. We have enough established triathletes. We have enough established people. And the community of triathlon is established. But we need to grow our sport. And so what really gets me going is Challenged Athletes Foundation, is getting young athletes to learn how to drown proof, to swim, to give away goggles, water wings, to teach kids how to swim, to teach a person how to change a tire, um, to just be, to grow the sport. Uh, When I can help people do a triathlon, it's the best. And it feels so good. You know, you're the swim, bike, run, you're able to recruit muscles specific in the swim that are different than the bike and that are different than the muscles in the run. And so you're able to have good muscle balance. It's good physically, mentally, your spirit gets somehow drawn into this, no matter what your connections are that way. And the accomplishment when you finish a race, I want everybody to finish. And I do believe, as I've said before, Swim, bike, run, have fun, make a friend and bring another friend to the race next year. But also, you know, everyone is a triathlete. They just don't know it yet. And uh, I believe everybody can be. And I've seen the metamorphosis that people have gone through, whether it's losing weight, uh, dropping addictions for another. You know, uh, it is what it is. But I'd rather see people addicted to triathlons than negatives. But uh, that's just me, you know. But I just love triathlon, as you can tell. And That's such a beautiful sentiment i know personally that you really live your life from a place of service and i would love to know why triathlon for you as an athlete has been such a good fit and we don't have to talk about this if you're not comfortable but you know hoka made this really beautiful video about you, the Humans of Hoka series. Mm. And you spoke about your history of addiction and how triathlon really put you on a different path in life. It wasn't anything that I chose to uh, do. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, It just, I believe, uh, for me, it was genetic. So yeah, I started drinking at 14, not for uh, flavor, but for effect. And uh, I went downhill quick. From 14 to 24, I did a lifetime of drinking. Um, I would black out, urinate on people's couches, wake up in shame, three in the morning, not know where I'm at, parking my car or my bike, not knowing where I parked it, wrecking cars. I went through six cars in between 16 and 24. Um, Went to spring break in... uh, my freshman year of college uh, in Daytona Beach and stayed four years. Uh, even going back to my senior year in high school, I puked in class. I had French fries and Jack Daniels for lunch. But um, yeah, uh, 
had a lot of problems with booze and uh, joined the Coast Guard because college didn't work out because I was too distracted with my own obsession. And uh, then uh, I went to, you know, like I said, uh, spring break, I it went four years hard, Daytona. I was arrested, got into trouble, um, got out of Daytona in one piece because people were looking to put me into two pieces and uh, would join the Coast Guard and was in for a couple years. And I was good underway. But when I was uh, underway, I was the first asked to go on boardings because I was, you know, had the uh, small arms qualifications and I was good. I was a hard worker. But then give me liberty. And I went out and went 0.354. I drank 0.354 while on duty uh, because I just came in from liberty and went right to duty and uh that was on super bowl sunday january 28th 1988 ended up in the hospital missed movement which means the ship went off for three weeks out of san diego and i didn't make the ship i missed movement i missed the boat so that's not a good thing so i went from a 378 high endurance cutter in the coast guard to a 22 inch cutter called a grass lawnmower so i went from a coast guard cutter to a lawn cutter but i was cutting grass over at coast guard island in uh, alameda and then i got out and uh for six weeks i went hard i joined the uh local tugboat union and worked for crowley maritime and uh then uh six weeks into uh my civilian life i stopped i had to stop i knew my life was unmanageable and i was powerless and uh went to meetings and uh yeah, you know, that's where I learned about giving it away. You can't keep that. You know, you got to help others. And um, I did the escape from Alcatraz on a dare uh, from a friend of mine in recovery. And I did it in 89. And upon doing escape from Alcatraz that day, I knew I was a triathlete. That was something that I knew. This was my uh, future. And I really enjoyed it. So, you know, alcohol was 10-year chapter of my life. If I ever write a book, I figure I'll do it in decades first 10 years, second 10 years, third 10 years. But yeah, from 14 to 24, those 10 years, it was bad, blackout, loss of friends. You know, I've acted in ways not normal, but uh, luckily I learned by my mistakes and uh, I really am living the dream. And the biggest thing is I want everyone else to feel it too. I want everyone else to live this. I make my living full time on triathlon and endurance. But it's under the impression, under the understanding, I can't keep it myself. I must give it away to others. You know, it's just, uh, it works. And I, I do see what's happening lately. And, you know, it's just about being nice and uh, giving back and, you know, not always being on guard and having to cover for yourself and, you know, keep people down. Uh, you know, I, I have to keep my space in the world by pushing others down. No way. It's it's actually a paradox. You can win by surrendering. Uh, but people want to, you know, resist. Ego, edging good out. Um, E-G-O. So, um, yeah, it, it's all about uh, helping others, giving back. And I challenge anybody, go ahead and try it. Get out of yourself. And it is uncomfortable sometimes to help others. And um, But the rewards are immediate. Psychologically, financially, I, I just know personally. Uh, if I didn't give back, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I wouldn't have the gifts I have today. Uh, it is cyclical. It is real. Yeah, that's a really beautiful message. I have got a hard question for you now. Are you mm -hmm. ready? Yep. Okay. You can only pick one. Who is your hero in the sport of triathlon? Paula Newby Frazier. Great answer. 24 Ironman wins. 
eight in Hawaii. And that's when there were only five, six, at most eight North America Ironman. Graham Fraser and Lou Friedland were growing Ironman North America with Lake Placid. California was a full at the time, Lake Placid, Panama City. And then it went from there. But when Paula retired, there were only about 10 Ironmans throughout the world, not 41 like now. Paula's just a great person. She gives back to the sport and, uh, you know, just doing what she did. Uh, you know, she really pushed the pace going 855, first woman to break that. And uh, she's been solid and consistent. Um, she's always been on the side of Ironman, always been on the side of the athlete. Um, she's never had her own agenda. She's always done what's best for the sport. I love it. Shout out to Paula. Chelsea. With uh, your background, uh, running out of Davis, California, pedaling beside your dad as he's doing his distance prior to the third Monday in April, you know, talk about um, in your right now as a triathlete, but, you know, who is your hero? It could be a track star that influenced you back in the day and is still top on the notch list. But has there been a triathlete who's uh, come in and uh, who is your hero in the sport of triathlon at this point? So my hero in sport is a woman yes. named Magdalena Boulay. Oh, my goodness. She was, she coached at Cal for my first couple of years there. And she wasn't so much my personal coach at that time, but she really became a mentor to me. And when I graduated from Cal, she took me on as an athlete. And she had made the Olympic team in the marathon in 2008. And in 2012, she started coaching me. And we developed this incredible relationship where I basically followed her around seven days a week and got to learn from her this like incredibly talented, hardworking, established professional athlete. And I really attribute my success in running to Magda and what she did for me and how she built me up as a young athlete and also took a lot of time to educate me about training philosophy and the sports science that goes into that and also how to live your life with integrity and kindness and how to really work your ass off but also do it in, a, in the right way. And so, so much of who I am as an athlete is because of Magda and her generosity. And she's still one of the first people that I call if I am going to make a big life decision, be that in my personal life or in sport. But my hero in triathlon, that's tough, actually. I... You know, I haven't been a lifelong triathlete, so I haven't, I'm still learning about this, but the first triathlete that I was a fan of was Rennie because we had a mutual sponsor when I was running professionally. And so I was there while Rennie was winning her Kona championships. And so I started following her career and just was in awe of her composure and ability to really to really stay committed even when things weren't going her way I remember watching when she I think she came off the bike 12 or 14 minutes down 
And I know she was frustrated at that point, but gosh, talk about grit. (laughs) To be that far back in a race where you're favored to win and to just put your head down and put one foot in front of the other is such a testament to her toughness. And so I saw that performance. I was not a triathlete at that point, but I recognized how incredible a feat that was. So so probably as far as like longevity of who I have followed and been a fan of, um, Rennie would have to be the person. And I and she's a runner like me too. And so I yeah, I see some similarities in our in our abilities and she's such a class act. Yeah, swim, bike, run, but it all comes down to the run. Yeah, Magdalena <laughs> Brule, amazing woman, uh, ran in the Beijing Olympics, uh, winner of Western States 100 from Poland originally, became American citizen on 9-11-2001. Unbelievable, influential woman. And then Rennie, of course, yes, uh, two great women of influence. So I can certainly see why you would like Magdalena Brule and Marinda Carfrey. Now talk about ITU. You know, the short stuff is painful. It's a two-hour race. It's not, um, you know, a... Uh, Easy thing to do. You're going two hours. Is uh, the Olympic trials? Uh, it's very tough uh, for Gwen Jorgensen and Sarah True to show up in 2016. They had a lot of sacrifice uh, all their lives, every waking moment. Uh, same thing with Ironman. Ironman 70.3. But talk about what it was like with ITU. How did that go? And how was your transition into 70.3 so far? There were parts of my ITU journey that I really enjoyed. I learned a lot really quickly and I was surrounded by some really high level talented athletes. So I had the opportunity to be be immersed in a daily high high performance training environment. And I think when you do have that like growth mindset and you're humble and willing to learn, you can improve really quickly. And so that's kind of what happened for me. I had decent success my first year. I podiumed in a few continental cups and I podiumed at a world cup in my first year. And I kind of made, I was starting to be invited to world cups by USAT on a consistent basis. And then, and then after that first year, I took a break and I got back to training and my training was at a whole different level. I was swimming like I'd never swam before. I was biking well and I was running really well and I thought, this is it. This is when my breakthrough is going to come. And I traveled to Australia at the beginning of that season for our Continental Cup in Malulaba and I had a horrible race. The swim did not go well for me and that kind of set the tone for the day. And then two weeks later, I had I raced in New Zealand. Same thing. I just got really overwhelmed by the swim. Had a rough race. Went back to the States and we canceled my entire season plan. Like we scrapped the whole plan. And I is that because of the ITU format? Because if you don't get off with that lead pack out of the water and you don't hang on the bike and because it's all come down to the run with the draft legal, was it because of that format, the intensity and the pace? Yeah, I think that my coach was concerned that I just wasn't handling the swim 
well enough to put myself in contention in these races and it wasn't really yeah. worth traveling around if I wasn't going to be able to put myself in the right position. And so I got back to training um, and I ended up racing or going down to Huatulco, Mexico for the World Cup there. And at this stage, I was struggling personally. I was living apart from my husband. I was traveling a lot. I kind of lived this year-long training camp lifestyle in San Diego and at other training camps. And my husband was working and living in San Francisco. And I go to this race in Mexico and I end up winning a World Cup there. And I cross the finish line and I expected to feel this incredible euphoria of finally accomplishing something that I'd worked so hard for and had been dreaming about. And instead, I felt this kind of bizarre emptiness because my family wasn't there and my husband wasn't there. And I had really neglected the relationships that are most important to me and the relationships that really make me who I am and like give me happiness as a whole person. And to not feel that excitement was disappointing. You want yep. to feel like just thrilled about that accomplishment and you want your people to be there with you. And and that's kind of the moment that I need I knew I needed to do something different. And I moved back up to the Bay Area and started racing 70.3 a few months later. The transition to 70.3 has been a really fun thing for me. It's an opportunity that I didn't even know was possible for me even five years ago, and I didn't think was available to me. And so to have the opportunity to become a professional athlete in a new sport in your late 20s, I view as such an incredible gift. I think I have really reevaluated my approach. I used to be pretty selfish and kind of a had a take no prisoners approach which i think i still do to some effect i am not a balanced person i'm very obsessed with what i do and it's often all consuming even now but what i think i have managed to do is convince the people that I love to really get on board with this journey. <laughs> and so maybe they don't realize this completely, but I have reinvested, I think, in the most important relationships in my life and realized that that doesn't actually take away from my performance. It actually really enhances my life and enhances like who I am as a person. And one of the really special things about Iron Man and, and my journey is that I have made some new friends through this sport. Corruption really through passion. Alone. I really like cultivated some, I think, lifelong friendships in this sport. And I have, you know, this like small circle of people 
who like believe in my goals and dreams and potential in the same way that I do. And so I have this, you know, like kind of team of people who, who are part of my like village and really like build me up and, and make it a lot of fun. Triathlon is a really freaking hard sport. You have to spend a lot of time by yourself. The racing is incredibly like grueling and to live this life and like be a true professional in this sport is a, I believe is a very challenging thing to do, but I am surrounded by such wonderful people who are in it with me. And that makes even the hard parts really fun. No, I definitely agree. You know, I've been with so many brands, done so many events and races, but it's the friends that I've made along the journey that is what it's all about. It's the people I know in my life that make me who I am today. But talk about this. You know, you mentioned you were selfish when you were in your track state. Um, it, triathlons is a selfish sport. Talk about your team endeavor and, um, you know, talk about the friends that you've made. And, um, you know, running is a sort of a selfish thing, but uh, have you made more friends in triathlon? Is, is triathlon more of a friendly sport than running? Talk about the friends you've made along the way. Oh, I don't know that it's a more friendly sport than running. Running is a pretty friendly sport, too. It's a Triathletes inclusive. are nicer than runners, aren't they? Mm, <laughs> yes. I don't know about that. I do think Okay, that, I'm just kidding. I'm a runner, that, too. Um, I do think triathlon could take a note from... From running, I think that the road racing scene has done a really incredible job of being super inclusive. Uh, there's a lot more women participating in these mass road races than there is in triathlon. And I we will dig into this, Eric, on this podcast. Um, perhaps not today, but with some future guests that we're planning to have on. So I think that I think we have work to do there. Gosh, I, I do have some, I have built some incredible relationships in this sport and, and not necessarily just like, uh, on the professional side, but, uh, some amateur athletes that, that, um, have like embraced me, um, and like really become like important people in my life. So that has been perhaps surprising and really fun and, and that's one thing that triathlon does do a great job of. And one of the things I love about Ironman events is that we're all out there together. We're all setting up our transitions together. We're all there together on race morning and we're all celebrating at the finish. It's such an incredible accomplishment to cross the finish line of a 70.3 or a full Ironman, which I haven't done yet, but I've seen the finish lines of full Ironman. So I think that I can speak to this. There you go. Just crossing the finish line, even for me, in a 70.3, feels like an accomplishment every single time. And that is like a shared suffering that all athletes go through, whether they're crossing the finish line around four hours like I am, or if they're crossing the finish line in six hours or seven hours or whatever the cutoff is. So that's definitely a unifying aspect of our sport. And I think the spirit of accomplishment and pride is so strong there. Absolutely well said. Doing a triathlon of any distance, sprints to Ironman, is a tremendous accomplishment. Wow, Chelsea, uh, March 8th, I was lucky enough to run the Los Angeles Marathon with uh, a friend of mine, the executive producer of the Jim Rome Show, Adam Hawk. We were running 
On that Sunday, while parts of the world were shutting down, the next week, everything was shut down. You, as a professional, having your calendar well-established out months out, what's it been like in this pandemic where all these races have been canceled and yet you have to stay on the top of your game because, hey, if these races start up again, you got to be ready to go. So what's it been like in training, mentally, physically, to just be on hold but be still spinning your wheels in a bit? Well, first of all, you are a lucky duck, my friend, that you got to do a race so far this year because you're yeah. one, yeah. one of the few, but I was actually in Kona at a training camp mm, that's right. right at the beginning of March, starting to get into real specific kind of race sessions. I was hitting some awesome like numbers on the bike and just feeling like I, myself and really strong and healthy and getting excited for Oceanside. And then, of course, the world got shut down and we still don't have any races on our schedule. So it's been an adjustment. Luckily for me, I really enjoy swimming, biking and running. And so I do a pretty good job of just immersing myself in my craft. And I love the process of getting better and even seeing what I can do in training. And so that has been, that has been okay for me. I I'm lucky I live in the Bay area. So I, have great access to running and biking and some open water swimming. But there there's a psychological component that is is challenging. Like I said, I really thrive preparing for those big races and big moments. And when I am not able to do that, like all of my colleagues, that's tough. It's really hard. I think when you're a competitive person and and your life is about performance, it's hard when that's taken away from you. But, you know, racing will come back. And this time has provided me some other opportunities to spend a little more time with my husband and um, immediate family and also to work on some other project, like projects like what we're cooking up right now. Awesome. How about you, Eric? How has, how has it been up in Napa? Well, you know, I mean, uh, we were both going to do Oceanside. Uh, you know, you were going to be the first woman across the line, and I was going to be the last guy. So we'd have that going for us, which was nice. You know, that's one of the biggest things Riley taught me is the finish line is where all people come together. Uh, whether you're the first finisher or the final finisher, that finish line is ground zero. It's what brings us all together. And the community that we build at the finish line and the events and the mini villages uh, that we build for five to seven days with an Ironman and Ironman 70.3. We're not able to do that right now. And bringing people together is our job. Uh, and, you know, it's look at the similarities. We all love to swim, bike, run, and compete. Doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. I've been in this sport since 1982. If you're a triathlete, you swim, bike, run, have fun. And anyone who wants to do it with you, you take them in, embrace them. And if you know more than them, share it. All these people want to tell you about how wonderful they are, how much they know. So just turn that instead of telling someone of equal caliber, tell somebody that doesn't know. And then you can share with them the sport of triathlon. So we're going to have more growth. We need more growth. We need more diversity. So we shouldn't resist it. We should embrace it. Yeah, totally. And that 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 next finish line that we have when we get to compete again, I think will be a really incredible celebration. We'll both answer this, but low light of your triathlon career, Eric. 
Uh, the low light of my triathlon career has been this year so far because we haven't been able to do what we normally do, which is swim, bike, run, have fun, and make friends. Yeah. And low you, what is my... your what? What's your low light? Yeah. Even though your career is less than a thousand days, but it's been totally <laughs> stellar. Uh, what do we got for a bottom so far? I think my injury last year that was really mm. tough. I was injured for about five months, and I had had this kind of breakout race at Indian Wells at the end of 2018, and I was like looking forward to a full season and I got to race about half the season and that all went really well, but injuries are hard and it's, you know, how a way to learn to deal with adversity. But when you're in the thick of that, it's, it's pretty tough. So anytime okay. I'm injured is a low light. Yeah. What has and been your highlight? Highlight of my career is to get the ultimate monkey off my back. And that was Ironman Hawaii. I tried to qualify from 1990 to 2002 I finally got in in 2002, and I finished the uh, uh, hallowed ground of uh, Elite Drive. Love it. What about you? Highlight of your up-and-coming triathlon <laughs> career, even though it's just starting. I think probably Santa Rosa last year, actually, which we yeah. talked about a bit, because you know I was coming off this big injury, and I just put together a complete performance, and I was proud of every single leg of the race, and my family was there, and... I just was really happy with how I executed it and how my team got behind me on that day. Awesome. Yep. You were radiating energy that day. I recharged <laughs> my phone just by hanging by you a minute. Favorite race. Favorite race. What is your favorite race? Oh, goodness. I loved the course at the Nice, 70.3 Nice World Championships. I love the technical aspect of it, of the descending, and I love preparing for that course. So as of now, that's probably my favorite. How about nice. you? Nice. My favorite race is Ironman Hawaii because that's really where it all started. But uh, yeah, every general person in the world, when you say triathlon, they talk about, oh, have you done Ironman Hawaii? Or they only think there's one and it's in Hawaii. But that's the question. Have you done Hawaii? And uh, for so long, I said no, because I hadn't. And then in 02, I did it and it changed my life for a lot of reasons. So uh, my favorite race is Ironman Hawaii and uh, I can't see that changing ever. So on that note, who is your dream guest to have on our show? Yeah, I believe uh, Scott Tinley. Uh, he's a two-time Ironman champion. He's been around the sport. He's a professor now down in Southern California. Known him 30 years. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, he's got a lot of wisdom. He used to write for Triathlete Magazine. So he's been stepped away from the sport. He was one of the big four. Scott Molina, Dave Scott, Mark Allen, they're still involved in the sport more but ST, he pulled away. And uh, with that perspective, I like it. So Scott Tinley. So maybe we should bring him back in a little bit here. Ironman Hall of Fame member. And his it. wife, Virginia, has done so much great work as president of Challenge Athletes. So Team Tinley. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. And you, if we were to uh, have a guest, your choice, your dream guest <laughs> to interview. Well, I'll keep it to triathlon. And, you know, I still see myself It's pretty new to the sport. I'm super curious and I want to learn from the best. And so right now, if I can have anyone on the podcast, I want to call up Jan. I think it'd be really great to get Jan Ferdino on the phone for an hour and pick his brain about his success in the sport and all of his, you know, strategies to performance. So I think that'd be pretty epic. I agree. Absolutely. Jan Ferdino, quite a character. 
great guy, born in South Africa, represented Germany in his gold medal in the Olympics. And uh, yeah, married Emma Snowsill, great Australian, lives in Girona, Spain, loved by the world. So Jan, if you're listening, we're coming for you. Absolutely. Be afraid, be very afraid. I'm Chelsea Sodaro. And I am Eric Yulsonen. And this is the Chelsea and Eric Show. Thanks for listening. Next time, we're going to be talking to someone we both admire and have wanted to talk to for a while now. So please look out for episode two at a podcast provider near you. The Chelsea and Eric Show is brought to you by Hoka One One and Iron Man.